Welcome to the 60th ACC Now podcast. I'm Luke Decock. Today is the second in our series of interviews with basketball coaches and players from the ACC uh, basketball media event in Charlotte earlier this month. It's a Duke-themed day, starting with Jacob Grandison, uh, the new Duke player uh, out of the transfer portal. Comes from Illinois, played at Holy Cross, grew up in California. He's, he's lived all over the country, a long college basketball career. Uh, very interesting. Also, uh, has Finnish uh, heritage, so we talked a little about that and uh, in, in whether or not he's gotten to know any of the, the Hurricanes Finnish players yet. Not yet is the answer. Uh, we'll, we'll little spoiler alert on that. But it's an interesting discussion with a well-traveled college basketball player who's wrapping up his career at Duke, followed by his head coach, John Shire, in which... Among other topics, the first-year Duke coach talks about his willingness in the future to go on the road and play non-conference games, something that Mike Krzyzewski, his predecessor, was, was unwilling to do, like to play at neutral sites or, or home games until the ACC season. And he talks a little bit about his logic for doing that, not just about what it means for his team to go on the road, but some of the teams that it means will come and play in Cameron now. Uh, so that's an interesting conversation. And the third is, is a former Duke assistant coach and Duke player, Jeff Capel, now at Pittsburgh, and uh, a really interesting discussion with him about how he's completely changed his approach to recruiting and player procurement, uh, going heavily into the transfer portal this year, trying to get older, uh, really probably to save his job at Pittsburgh. He was given sort of a stay of execution last year, uh, but after some promising initial returns, things haven't gone as well as he would have liked at Pittsburgh. Uh, he's one of several coaches in the ACC this year who have sort of taken a page out of Steve's Forbes, Steve Forbes' playbook at Wake Forest, trying to put together a, a one-year team with transfers and, and players like that in an attempt to, to have some immediate success. So it's a Duke-themed collection of interviews here on our 60th ACC Now podcast, and we'll start with Jacob Grandison. I'm Luke DeCock. Steve Wiseman's with me as well. We're here with Jake. Jake or Jacob? Jake's cool. Jake. Grandison, Duke transfer, lived all over the country. I, I tell people all the time I've lived in all four time zones. He's close. My, do you have mountain? I don't think you have mountain. No, not no mountain, but <laughs> west, and central. And Both coasts, east. but you're yeah, bi-coastal. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you have, you, I mean, you're, you're practically a, an NBA veteran at this point, having paid, played for almost as many franchises as Chucky Brown in college <laughs> basketball. But... What's, what has your journey been like? I know you and Steve have talked about this, but to go from California to Massachusetts, Illinois, now here at Duke, the, you know, not that Illinois is a small program, but as Pete Gillen would say, Duke is Duke. What's that journey been like for you? Um, it's been something for sure. It's been a blur a little bit, you know. Just yesterday, I didn't have anything to, you know, stand on really, um, but... I'm super blessed to have, have been on the journey I've been, you know, ups and downs and, uh, you know, it is, that's how life is and that's just, you know, what my calling is and, and what the itinerary is for me and so I'm just blessed to be here and, and look forward to, to keep the journey going. What was it, I mean, this may sound like an obvious question, but what was it about Duke that worked for you, that clicked for you? So many things, you know, there's so many uh, facets to a program that, you know, impact the, the culture, the winning, the type of people you're around. But, you know, at the end of the day, Duke, Duke checked all the boxes and, and I knew that it was the right fit when uh, meeting with the coaches and just getting a, a thorough vibe from them. And, um, you know, I've said it in, in interviews before, but uh, just a really genuine uh, 
feeling to, to be um, appreciated that way by a group of people um, who are, and we're all on the same, you know, we got the same vision. So it, was, it just made the most sense. Uh, I'm super excited to be coached by the, the staff. Have you met any of the Carolina Hurricanes Finnish players yet? Definitely not. <laughs> Could you carry on a conversation with them if you had to? In English? <laughs> In Finnish. No, I would need my mom there to translate okay. a little bit. But, but yeah, I, I speak eye contact and hand, hand signs. You know? I mean, they speak, pretty, they speak pretty good English. It's no, they do most speak Scandinavians. Yeah, I just didn't, didn't know what your sort of level of fluency was. Not, know, not great. I know a couple plays in Finnish and yeah. some words I shouldn't know. <laughs> How about, uh, you know, Finnish culture, Finnish uh, foods, that kind of stuff? Is that a thing in your household growing up? I mean, uh, For sure. My, yeah. my mom is Finnish, so yeah. she is herself. So, um, um, I mean, not, they always say I have characteristics of a Finnish person. Like, I don't really, like, uh, brag or show off or I don't like to over-talk something I'm about to do. You know, I'd rather just go handle my business. But, uh yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm sure I, I act finished sometimes. You know, you have a sauna. We do not. I do know. I, all right, I know that's like the stereotype. We ain't, we ain't, ain't yeah, we don't got saunas in the crib yet. We <laughs> go sit outside in the sun. Um, there is at least one Hurricanes player who built a sauna onto his house in Raleigh. So oh, for sure. Yeah, it's it's, it's a stereotype for a reason. No, Finnish people are in the sauna. <laughs> um, that's a fact. <laughs> What would, all right, so this is, like, I grew up in Chicago. Um, my dad had very distinct opinions about Duke basketball. What did you think of Duke basketball growing up? And did you have to make any kind of attitude adjustment to want to play for them? Or were you pro-Duke growing up? Or no, neutral? Yeah, no, no adjustment was needed to make. Very neutral. Very, I'm loyal to the team I'm on, for sure. Um, yeah, there was a certain point even before I had any like interest from schools where I'd, I stopped feeling like a fan to teams and I more so saw them as my peers. As you see more kids, you know, that you who know you who they, and who they know, you kind of get feel more connected to it. And as you keep playing, you know, like I turn on the TV and eight out of 10 people on the team are on the floor like I've played against or something. So no, I, there's no, there's no, fan issue or whatnot I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm i'm here at duke now i'm loyal to it <clears throat> we bleed and blue it's crazy though you're like considerably older than most of your teammates what do you have to offer some of these guys who are just doing this for the first time i've got a lot to offer um you know i've been around the block and experience is uh experience is key but uh you know i'm a i'm a veteran basketball player in college and I've been in some very tough games, um, been on huge stages. I've been in front of 20,000 people. I've, I've played at the, the mid-major level, as, as some of our grad transfers did, played against one of our other grad transfers. You know, so, um, you know, at the end of the day, I don't view it like, I'm, like I have two, three things to just give to this team, but I'm more focused on just being me and my best self and bringing that every day and, you know, pushing these these freshmen uh, to the level that they can be at in terms of, you know, energy, effort, and all the little things that come with college basketball. Anything else, Steve? All right. Awesome. Thank you very much. Enjoyed it. Cool. Appreciate you. Yep. Welcome back. We're joined now by Duke 
head basketball coach John Shire, uh, his first time through this media car wash event. Uh, is it meeting all of your expectations? <laughs> it is. I was a little bit more excited for our first practice than I was for today. <laughs> but no offense to you guys. But no, it's been it's been great so far. Uh, Steve may have asked you this at some point already. I'm curious. Was there, has there been, is there going to be a point where you wake up and or look around and you're like, oh man, I'm the head coach at Duke. Like, does that happen in the first game? Did it happen in the first practice? Did it happen last spring? When did, When is that moment? I, th I think it hits me in waves. You know, I think it hits me in different times. It's I believe it. You know, I'm, I feel, of course, I'm ready for it. But if, but I'll tell you the first practice for me. You know, we've already had workouts in the summer and in the fall, but going out there for the first practice, it's surreal feeling. Some of these things, because it happened and you had a year where I was the associate head coach, you don't think the first practice is ever going to come in a way. It just feels far away. And I think recently it's hit me just how – the season's right around the corner, which is an exciting feeling. And those are different than like the times last year when Coach K was out. They had to run a practice when he was out sick. Yeah. If Coach K when he was out sick. This is a totally different feeling, I guess. It's right? different. Yeah, it's different. And, uh, you know, somebody asked me about my pregame ritual. And I said, I think I know, but it's probably going to be different from game 30 than it is for game one. For me, some of this I want to do by feel. And they mentioned that I coached the game last year. I said, the, before the game, I'm calling Coach K. How's he feeling? Are you coaching? Am I coaching? What's happening? So I don't think that's going to happen this year. I know I'm going to coach. And so um, going through some of this, it'll be by feeling that's different. When you when you look at sort of the season ahead, what, what are the milestones in your mind that you're going to – I mean, is it the same when you're a head coach as you, when you're an assistant coach in terms of, I don't know, recruiting windows, ACC tournament, Champions Cup, like – what sort of lay, how does the season lay out in your mind now, and is it different? Yeah, well, this year's unique in the fact that we have uh, more games in the non-conference on the road than we normally would schedule. You know, you have an extra game in the PK eighty-five. Uh, we're in the Jimmy V Classic this year, playing Iowa, and so really, you look at the first slate of our season. It really tests us early and often, including some really good teams at home. And so for me, it's, it's, that's a chapter of the season. You obviously have the ACC season, then you get into postseason post play, which hopefully is a long time. <laughs> you have a lot of work to do to get there. Uh, but for me, it's really taking those three chapters and, and then going from there. But it starts with the non-conference, and we have a unique schedule this year where it's challenging and on the road and playing some different teams. Was it your intention right away that you wanted to start scheduling non-neutral site road games like is that just something you felt like we need to do i felt that you can't take for granted how special cameron indoor stadium is and in order to achieve the level of uh, uh, expectation that we have as a staff that fans have that our students have to take some risks and go out and play some really good teams and bring them here and then get the experience of going elsewhere on the road early and, and see what that does for your team. And we're going to have a young team. I can tell you that. I don't know exactly who we're going to have, but it is going to be a younger team. And so uh, Tommy, Tommy Lloyd and I actually had a conversation, and uh, I love the idea of it. So did he. And, uh, and we tried to do it. You can't know for sure if you're at home for the ACC Big Ten or not or what that looks like, but we tried to make sure there's at least one big-time game where it's against an, an opponent that's ranked and 
that we can play. So I'm excited for that opportunity. Yeah, you missed the ACC Big Ten. We don't know if they'll be one right. in two or four years. Right. What that's going to look like. And Commissioner Phillips talked about expanding the NCAA tournament, that it might be time for that. Do you have thoughts on that? Do you, what do you think about the bracket and, and, and making March Madness even bigger? Yeah, I've, I've thought about it some, and I'm, I'm such a uh, – even though I'm probably on the younger age as far as coaches go, I'm still uh, – I'm a historian, right? So you love the purity of what it was with 64, and then you go to 68. And, and really, uh, it's been great, right? So I think we have to be careful, of course, but – we do need to be innovative and think about different ways that we can improve the tournament. So I'm open to it, but also you, you want to make sure you don't lose the purity of what March Madness stands for and the excitement that the current format creates. Yeah, you don't want to mess. You don't want to kill this golden goose. That's, What'd you like, say? You don't want to kill the golden goose. Right. Like that's like think about if you can't print out a bracket on an eight and a half by eleven right. sheet of paper. Like, right. Does that change things? It's great little things I, like that. I think it probably does. And those are the things you need to take into consideration. And so for me, I, I don't I don't want to be in the front lines of creating or saying exactly what should happen because the way it is right now is pretty good to me. But of course, pretty good isn't the standard. We have to have higher goals and expectations. So I'm all for it. I'm all for listening and I'm all for giving my perspective, being a player, assistant coach, and now hopefully a head coach is sometime playing the tournament. Awesome. Well, the one thing that hasn't changed is we can still make fun of the Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> always, <laughs> always. That's, that's not going to change. So. <laughs> exactly. I wish we were in the playoffs, but yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Cubs homer end of the day. I'm always going for the Cubs. Yeah. Thank you, John. We appreciate it. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Thank, Thank you, guys. You. I'm NNO sports columnist Luke Cox. Steve Wiseman, our Duke beat writer, is here, and so is Jeff Capel, the Pitt basketball coach, who has sort of retooled his team on the fly this summer. Uh, a different approach from you, but kind of what everybody's doing these days is, <laughs> is, is going into free agency and looks like you've got some shooters and you've got some athletes and, and was it, is this just the circumstances of the time or did you want a different approach? Well, we felt like we had to have a different approach. That was the main thing. Um, right after our season was over with last year, I met with my staff and my thing was, I think we, we had to have wins from that time. So that was the second week in March. We had to have a lot of wins from that time until July. We had to have, and our wins had to come on the recruiting trail. And so we were very intentional um, about what exactly we wanted. <coughs> Excuse me. I felt like we were more prepared, better prepared to tackle the transfer portal and to tackle where college basketball was at the time with some additions we made to our staff and we went out and we attacked it and we were very fortunate that um, I feel like we got better we got a lot better the things that we look for as far as basketball we wanted shooting that was a big thing and then we wanted versatility and we wanted to get a little bit more size and length and then with having the opportunity to actually recruit these guys by going to see them and bringing them on campus, I think that made a big difference. You know, from March of 2020 until June, in 2000, until June of 2021, we couldn't go on the road and we couldn't have anyone on campus. For some people, that doesn't hurt. Where our program was, it, it killed us because we weren't able to go see them we weren't able to get them to see us, so we didn't have a great feel. Um, this time, I think we've done a better job with that, and we were able to accomplish exactly what we wanted, and 
added the right guys to our program that we're all really, really excited about. You, you've been recruiting high school kids for so long as a, I mean, it's like breathing to you at this point. Is it different when you're talking to kids who are put their name in the portal? And I mean, did you have to reteach yourself some of how to do that? Yeah, and that's why I said we were better prepared last year or two years, whenever it is, when, when after, after my third year at Pitt, that's, you know, when the transfer, all that, the one-time transfer stuff went into effect. And to be completely honest, we weren't prepared for it. Just as a staff, we were not prepared for it. Um, at, the, at the end of that season or later that summer, I really fought, and I fought my AD to get another position added specifically for that, to navigate the transfer portal, to sort of be a quasi-recruiting coordinator. Um, and I thought that really, really helped us because when the season was over with, we were prepared. We had information. We knew who was going in. We knew – he studied it all year, who you thought was going in, things that you hear. You started to hear things throughout the season. And so right when we needed information, we had it. As soon as a kid entered the portal, we saw his name was in there. We had the information. We had contacts. We had who we could reach out to. For us, we had video, we had breakdown, we had all these different things, and we had talked as a staff about exactly what it was that we needed to build this roster, to add to the guys that we knew that we had coming back, and really to add around John. Right. That was the main thing. We felt like we had this really good post player who commanded a double team, you know, who drew a lot of fouls that did this, but what we didn't do a good job last year is that we didn't have shooting around him. And so that's what we were intentional with, and fortunately we were able to go out and get that. And then now you can have spacing around him. You can you, you can have space. And the other thing I'm excited about is that we're older in the backcourt. I mean, we have four sixth-year guards, so four guys that are you know 22, 23 years old, with Jamarius Burden, with Nelly Cummins, with Greg Elliott, um, and then with Nike Samande coming back from injury. You know, that was the other thing. Last year, right before the first game, Nike tears his ACL and then Ithiel has his situation. Those are our two best shooters. Those are our two most experienced guards. And so earlier in the year, we played with one scholarship guard. For the most of the year, we played with two scholarship guards. And you guys have been around basketball enough. It's difficult to win that way, especially when they're not good shooters. And Nike's back to full strength. Nike's back to full strength. He looks great. Um, so we're excited about it. What's it going to be like coming to camera and Coach Payne out here? It's going to be weird. <laughs> it, it's going to be weird, uh, but it's exciting. I'm excited for John. It's still going to be Duke. It's still going to be Cameron. They're still going to be unbelievably talented. Um, but, you know, just like when Coach was there, we're going to come there to try to beat him. And uh, hopefully we can have some success in doing that. Awesome. See you then. Thank All you, right. Jeff. Thank All right, you, guys. Jeff. Appreciate it.